What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, are we starting to see cracks in the new mayor's campaign promises? What new laws are going into effect this week? And how easy is it to live in Chicago without a car? Lead producer Simone Alisea is here with me to catch us up. It's Tuesday, June 27th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Good morning, Simone. How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Glad to be here. We are just five weeks into Brandon Johnson's first term. Uh, and, and I want to know how, how you feel is going so far. So we want to look in on some of his biggest criticisms to this point. Right. We're not even at the halfway point of his first 100 days. Uh, and, and yet, you know, <laughs> you know, people are starting to wonder what is this first term going to look like uh, in the long haul? So we got a few of, of those criticisms that people are hitting him with. And the first one is pretty timely because Chicago's Board of Education is going to be meeting this week to vote on a $10.3 million contract with the police department, which is an increase of about $180,000 over last year. Simone, we remember the campaign trail, and obviously schools and police really moved to the forefront of the conversation, especially with Mayor Johnson's camp largely because he comes from being a public school teacher, comes from being a CTU organizer, and he outwardly said that armed police officers have no place in schools. And we've talked a lot about this over the last two years as schools have had to vote routinely on whether or not to get rid of their armed officers, to replace them with alternative programs. And what Mayor Brandon Johnson said recently when asked on how he felt about the presence of police officers in schools, to me, felt like a bit of a backtrack because on the campaign trail, it was very clear they have no place. And now he's saying he's going to defer to the local school councils, which uh, are the governing bodies that vote on whether or not they should keep their resource officers, as they call them. I think with Brandon Johnson right now, everybody seems to be... Uh, he is just under a microscope, uh, mm -hmm. almost like one I did not expect. Uh, I don't know why I'm so surprised, but but I am. <laughs> it is every single move he makes. It's like, what did he say on the campaign trail? How does this stack up and how does this action work? I think with with this, um, it would be have been really tough, frankly, for him in his first five weeks to be like, OK, so all you local parents who got to make this decision for your own schools. Yeah, we're going to take that out of your hands now. I'm going to make this decision like that would have been a really tough prospect to sell. I think on top of that, we've also got like a new elected school board that will be coming into the mix in the at least following partially in the election of 2024. So that is kind of coming on the horizon and will probably change the dynamic of 
what kinds of things local school councils are voting on, changes the dynamic between the mayor's office and who's running the schools. So I think, you know, it's interesting that this has caused like, because I feel like people are really popping off about it on Twitter, you know? No, like, no. Really, I've, like, I've, I've seen the the comments from people saying, all right, now we're realizing, you know, maybe how hollow certain campaign promises are. I think when I heard Brandon Johnson's response, I couldn't help, you know, and I don't want to make this an apples to apples comparison here, but I couldn't help but think back to the runoff election when we were having the conversation about school choice and whether or not, you know, schools should become charter schools. And Paul Vallis's opponent at the time would not stand on whether or not where he truly failed, but he kept saying he would defer to local school councils to decide how they wanted their schools and their communities to be ran. And so a lot of people crit criticized him to say, okay, you're just using that as a veil to cover up that you actually support more school vouchers, support more privatized schools, support more charter schools. And so, again, though it's not a direct comparison, it it feels like this is one of those moments where Brandon Johnson is sort of looking at, like you said, the prospect of ending this contract with the police department, maybe seeing how difficult that's going to be and sort of walking this campaign promise back just enough so that he doesn't have to take blame if schools continue to vote to use resource officers because 39 of the 91 Chicago public high schools have police officers in their school. And so this relationship towards how we police communities, how we police or what's the relationship between police and schools seems to have Brandon Johnson on the ropes here. And it's not just when it comes to, you know, this upcoming vote from the Board of Education. Also, when we look at another one of his huge campaign promises, which was ending the contract with ShotSpotter. And I think it is that simple to state. Brandon Johnson said he would get rid of ShotSpotter. I stood in those campaign town halls where he told the crowd, we're getting rid of this technology. But a few weeks ago when he was asked, you know, what is the plan when the ShotSpotter contract ends come February, Simone once again he seemed to give a politically advantageous answer, which is to say, we will look at both sides. Right. So let's uh, back up for folks who maybe aren't familiar with uh, what is going on here. So ShotSpotter, right, is the is a gunshot detection technology. It's essentially microphones that are sort of spread throughout Chicago, and they let police know when it hears what it thinks are gunshots. And and the company has actually since rebranded and is now called Sound Thinking, uh, at least in part of a response to like, lots of reporting that has come out about um, why ShotSpotter can be problematic uh, in addition to sort of equity issues and surveillance issues. Just uh, accuracy. is it, Does it work? Right. Accuracy. <laughs> does it actually work? Does it actually help reduce crime? Um, and so it has become sort of a target for activists to try to get rid of this technology. And as you said, Brandon Johnson, you know, campaigned to end the contract. But sort of in addition to making some sort of more equivocating comments, uh, you know, there was this payment to fund the contract that again was renewed under Lightfoot's mm -hmm. tenure. Like I want to make that clear, like the actual renewal of the contract, which kind of happened very quietly. It, it was actually something that uh, one of our colleagues, Natalie Rivera only found out by like calling around and we, it was a total surprise to, uh, us and to other people who'd been following it very closely. So that had been renewed already. But what happened this month is that there was a payment that was issued to, you know, actually follow through on that extension. And it had Brandon Johnson's signature. And what the mayor's team said was that, you know, this signature 
was essentially placed automatically. Like think of it like automatic bill pay. Like that mm-hmm. is kind of what happened here. I think on one level for, again, for, for Johnson supporters, like that kind of answer does not feel good enough. Nah. Like I think <laughs> like that kind of answer going. feels, they were not happy about it. And, and, you know, the mayor's team said, we're, we're definitely not going to do this in the future where we're looking at our procurement processes and, and practices. And for the most part, it, it it really felt like a like a betrayal, I think, mm-hmm. and like a broken a broken campaign promise already. Again, despite the fact that this would have been a very even even if Johnson had said no, I'm not going to sign. That would have been a really tough thing to do as a mayor when the contract has already been signed. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like the contract has been signed, and you got to pay your rent. <laughs> exactly. I that and while I understood that while I was reading through it, I think to your point, what probably upset me the most was not that that city hall went through with uh going through with that payment is the fact that it seemed that the johnson administration had no idea that this was about to happen that here was in my opinion a political opportunity to at least kick and scream to say i don't want to be doing this that's one of those oversights that you know Again, I'm not here for lambasting the mayor this early into his term, but that's one of those moves of that some people might call political amateurism. This was an easy uh, sort of an easy uh, target for the mayor and should have been one that was shored up, especially given how much he had focused on in the campaign promises. Uh, You know, the, the last one we want to talk about is, you know, just a reminder that he is getting it from all sides. Right. It's not just his campaign supporters, the the activists, the advocates who put him into this position. It's also people on, on, you know, inside the business community who still wonder, you know, how is Brandon Johnson's transition teams uh, and working groups a reflection of the type of city he wants to build? Simone, why is the business community, you know, a little worried about what the makeup of Johnson's pension working group is? Yeah, and I think that that might even be uh, an overstatement on this. But but the fact of the matter is, is this working group that Brandon Johnson has created to study pension issues in Chicago, Chicago's underfunded pensions. Definitely go back and listen to our episode uh, with Amanda Cass, professor who studies this, uh, who explains kind of what that means. But um, created this working group that has like state lawmakers, because some of these issues are going to have to be dealt with in Springfield and among other folks, union reps, right? Because we're talking about workers, but it does not really include members of Chicago's business community, you know, business owners, that kind of thing, which, you know, would make sense in terms of pensions because, you know, pensions invest in businesses, right? Invest in 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 big projects in part to help make money. Um, and so there is sort of some question about like, oh, well, maybe they, maybe, maybe they weren't included. So maybe he's turning around on them too. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I, I got to be real with Frank, all three of these things to me indicate that there is like, I don't know, there's a lot of tea leaf reading going yeah. on with regards to Brandon Johnson. And is he going to fix Chicago's problems slash is he going to break his promises? Is he going to to renege on all these things? And I, I to me, it's actually indicative of just how frustrating it was. You know, I I, I wasn't around for Rahm Emanuel's tenure or, or previous mayors, but I know during Lori Lightfoot's tenure, like, Lori Lightfoot really did some 180s on mm-hmm. her campaign promises, like full on. And it's almost like there's a like a trauma about it uh, of of just like 
we're everyone's waiting for that other shoe to drop with yeah. Brandon Johnson, whether you supported him or whether, you know, your worst fears are going to be confirmed because you didn't support him. You know what I mean? And it's just kind of an interesting vibe in the city that I, I, I don't know. I expected it to be as intense as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. It, it seems like this idea of what can Brandon Johnson do in the first 100 days is largely a media-created narrative that is, in many ways, wholly unrealistic with the mechanisms of our city government, how fast, how slow they move. Uh, But I think what these three stories do remind us is that the mayor is not going to get a free pass from any side of the debate um, across the city. Activists feel more emboldened than they ever have to say, we're gonna hold the mayor accountable uh, in the same ways that Mayor Johnson's critics are are ready to call foul on, on his policies moving forward. And so I think you and I are on the same page with this when we both say, all right, pump the brakes a little bit, right? We're, we're going to scrutinize, we're going to criticize, we're also going to celebrate when it's deserved. Um, but, you know, n- nothing has been uh, has been settled. No, no, no chapters have been written on this administration just yet. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. At the end of this week, Illinois is going to uh, bring a whole new host of laws into effect. Uh, Simone, what are some of those new laws that people should be looking out for this weekend? Right. So I think the big one is um, just a reminder, we talked about this on Friday, but minimum wage is going up. Uh, It will now be um, and this is in in Chicago specifically. It will now be uh, $15.80 per hour for businesses uh, with 21 or more employees, $15 an hour for businesses, um, you know, between four and 20 employees. It's going to be lower for tipped workers. uh, And then uh, in suburban Cook County, uh, minimum wage is also going up to $13.70. So that's a big one, I think. And then some other stuff that is going to affect the pocketbook, uh, gas taxes are up, grocery taxes back, and we're also going to see some local um, sales tax increases uh, across the Chicagoland suburban area. So uh, lots of money stuff happening on July 1st. But Jacoby, I, I think one thing, you know, when new laws come into effect, it's always fun to like kind of think about like, what are some weird, odd, like old local laws that are mm-hmm. still in effect that most of us don't know about? And you found a pretty good list. And I wanted to hear what were some that you saw 
Yeah, I want to give a shout out to GN as well as WBEZ and the Curious City team. Curious City did a good report. Uh, and a few of these I was not familiar with. In sh- Chicago, no cannon firing without permission. You must get permission from the local authority to use your backyard cannon. That was established in 1833. Uh, So we're talking 190 years ago. Uh, I don't think anybody is uh, thinking about the cannon. Uh, No shows in windows. This came into effect around the 1900s. And the law prohibits any performance, show, or exhibition of any kind or nature in any show window. Which... This actually got me thinking. I wonder if this is still into effect because I don't know. We don't see it often. Like if you like walk I, in downtown, well, you'll see mannequins and stuff. But do, do you see anybody like, you know, you think of like Amsterdam, red light district, right? People are, li- you can literally walk up the street. People are performing in the window. Chicago, you don't really have that. No dancing, no nothing. I was also like really curious about the no shows in Windows 1 um, because the the justification was basically like, oh, well, we don't want to like cause a scene. We don't want to like cause a traffic jam on the sidewalks or whatever because mm-hmm. people are out here looking at windows. But I don't totally understand why street performance isn't exactly the same thing. That's what I was going to say. I was like, people get to perform right outside the window and, and yeah. chilling, whether they playing the trumpet or like our boy Andrew out there singing. So if somebody in one of uh, Chicago's many, many storefront theaters wants to put on a window show, I'm you I'm know, here for it. I'm excited about it. Some civil disobedience out here. <laughs> it might probably be boring for the people who have to do it, but I'm thinking like, you know, mannequins are cool, but like if somebody was like live showing the fashion that was in a store, like if there was like an ongoing like runway oh, feel yeah. in, your, in your store yeah. window, I'd be more likely to come in there. See, but also I never would have thought of that if I didn't know there was a law prohibiting it, right? Like if I didn't know that it wasn't allowed, like it would never have occurred to me that this is something I want. <laughs> uh, and then a few that I saw over on WGN, a few around uh, dogs uh, and, and pets here in Illinois at large, uh, in the city of Normal, it's illegal to make faces at dogs. Like you can get fined like, or in trouble. Yes, I guess make do your do they dog define, too. Do they define making a face? Do they I, define what making a face is? No. Have you? <laughs> I, I I didn't go further into it. I imagine it's like to like incite a dog or you know an animal to like act out of control. Like if you're being really mean. Uh, but yeah, it, it did not specify in this particular breakdown. Um, I don't know who needed to be told these, but uh, you're not supposed to give a lit cigar to a dog, and you're not supposed to give whiskey. Uh, to a dog again I, I imagine back in those tavern days though maybe people were a little more wild with what they did with with the local and, and the stray dogs and then one related to dogs that I actually think we should be putting more attention on not from like a finding perspective in trouble just maybe more signs right uh it's reportedly illegal for your dog to stank in the city of Chicago so if you got a smelly ass dog maybe running around your backyard maybe in your crib you know maybe just give them a bath make sure you're paying attention to your dog's hygiene, your dog's health. I think it's a good note, right? That's a good note in general too. But again, I always think about the other funny thing about weird laws like this. It's like, you know, obviously enforcing them now would be wild. Like, what are you, what are you going to say? But even back then, whenever these laws were created, what was the vision for how your stinky dog was going to be enforced. Like, can you make a citizen's arrest? Like, can I just like go up and be like, your dog is really gross. I'm so sorry. I got to, we got to get you out of here. Like we got to, I don't know what's going on. 
and like are you are you meant to like i don't know do you keep the dog washing stations at the police station like are they supposed to have a hose that you can borrow or does the library have a hose you can borrow like are there public are there is there public infrastructure for this is my question they just said deal with it on your own and you'll figure it out one day one day you'll figure it out <laughs> Another week, uh, another ranking for um, our beautiful city. But uh, this one, uh, we we felt a, a, a way about, Simone. What was in your inbox this week in regards to Chicago? Okay, so so this one came out from a co-working company of, of some kind who put out rankings of uh, best cities to live without a car. And I expected Chicago to be like, I don't know, maybe maybe number three. Uh, third largest city, like mm-hmm. number four, maybe definitely top five. I was a hundred percent certain that it would that Chicago would be a top five, and Chicago is number one, two, three, four, Damn. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We didn't even 12. make the top ten. Not right? even the top ten. And I, I take so many issues with this. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so apparently, uh, you know, they are rating, you know, your public transportation system, also how easy it is to get around by foot um, and, you know, also rating a sort of walkability. But like some cities that apparently are easier to live in without a car than Chicago include my hometown of Seattle, which is just wrong. Like, I can tell you, I lived there my whole life. That's just incorrect. Like, I, 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 I'm not going to spend a bunch of time telling you about Seattle's infrastructure problems, but I will just say like, one, we have one train line Two, there are hills like already <laughs> Chicago is miles ahead <laughs> on just those two fronts alone. And I've lived in Chicago without a car. It is so possible yeah. to live in Chicago without a car uh, in a way that it is not in Seattle. So already I was like, no, there's no way that this is correct. Yeah, a few of the ones at the top of the list, I've, you know, visited these places and was very easy to get around. Boston, it's a small place, right? So moving through the city was pretty easy. I could understand the New Jersey, the New York City, even Washington, D.C. But San Francisco? How, how is San Francisco an easier place to get around without a car uh, than Chicago? Like you said, just on our topography, I feel like we have a lot of places just on how long you can walk without getting fully overexerted, uh, riding your bike, using your accessibility device to go through this city without hitting some steep ass heel. Uh, And then I'm sorry, CityCast Pittsburgh. I've listened to a few of your episodes. I've never once heard the team talk about this is a fantastic place to be without a car. So this this might be a, this might spark a a city cast crossover episode because I need to know how our folks in Madison, Pittsburgh, Portland, like, like Philly, h- how are y'all ahead of us? Um, what is it about y'all cities that make y'all particularly easier to be in without a car? Because if it's simple, Chicago is hella big. I can understand that, right? Getting from Hegwish to Jefferson Park without a car it definitely takes some planning but come on but i lived in i lived in rogers park without a car jacoby like i did it i lived on the red line so i had that privilege i had the Mm -hmm. red line privilege over there but still like the buses uh you know and again this was in 2015 when i feel like public transit was really like 
at its at its peak. Now, obviously, we we've got some reliability issues and and stuff like that. But even so, uh, the idea of comparing Chicago to Madison. Sorry again to our CityCast Madison colleagues. Um, (laughs) It's just like Chicago is so much bigger. Like I don't totally know how you compare those cities as as being able to live without a car. Not not sure what they was going for. Uh, but another ranking that came out was uh, from a moving company that ranked the best and worst drivers, with worst being one and the best being 50. Uh, and Chicago drivers did pretty well, not in the top 10 again, but we were ranked number 40. So very, very close to, to the top 10 in terms of good driving. So Chicago has uh, good drivers, apparently, which... Um, I have a very nuanced take on this, but I feel like other people will have very strong opinions about whether or not Chicago drivers are good drivers. Because uh, uh, we're it's it's a little wild out here. I think. I mean, you you're a very cautious driver. I think that's the nicest way <laughs> I can say that, Simone. As we are going on the highway together, you are very cautious. You signal, right? You you give people, uh, you know, you you allow people to merge, like you know. But you know, you can maybe speed up a little bit, right? You could get a little more aggressive <laughs> with your merging. You could, you can, you could just take your liberties where you can get them in these city streets. I think, I think we're good drivers for the level of aggressive driving expected of the majority of people on the road. So I, I think we're we're effective in that part. I do think we're a little aggressive. The honkers out here are really. Like they'll they'll lean on you real quick out in these streets, and I've ridden with some of the worst uh, road rage uh, individuals in my life on these Chicago streets. And the and the people who speed the most, uh, and I've lived in some other cities, the people who speed the most are my Chicago friends. Nobody gets to ninety faster than a Chicago from the South Side. It's ridiculous. My my biggest issues with Chicago drivers, the speed is is one. Uh, it, the speed limits mean nothing, as far as I can tell. Nothing. Uh, lane markings also mean nothing, nope. as far as I can tell. Who cares if this, this is a two-lane or three-lane road? Nobody does. Uh, and just make sure, because I'm always in the wrong lane, whatever it is, uh, is what I've learned. And I will say this. I think Chicago, the way I would describe Chicago drivers, they're highly individualistic drivers. Mm-hmm. It is every person out there for themselves. Um, But I actually think for the most part, each individual driver is a good driver the way a NASCAR driver is a good driver. You know what I mean? Like, I actually think they're highly skilled. Yes. um, Even if they're reckless. (laughs) Yes. That's a great description. Reckless, highly skilled, definitely describes the majority of Chicagoans. Um, Simone, it is always a pleasure to have you on mic. Uh, Before I let the rest of you go, make sure you subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. Today, our newsletter editor, Sydney Mann, has put together a great playlist of the best CityCast Chicago episodes to listen to. When you are in your car, whether you're stuck in traffic, making a commute, or taking a road trip, has a fantastic set of episodes for you. So make sure you check that out uh, at Hey Chicago. Simone, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Thanks. Glad to be here. 
As always, we appreciate you for listening. We also want to hear from you, particularly about how you feel about this weekend's NASCAR event. Do you hate it or do you love it and you're excited for it? Reach out to us at 773-780-0246. Leave your name, your neighborhood, and how you're feeling about them racing cars around downtown Chicago. I'm going to be back bright and early tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. Peace. Today, our newsletter editor, Sydney Mann, has put together a fantastic playlist of the best CityCast Chicago episodes to listen to. Bah, 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 bomb. When you're in your car, recklessly. Where did that horn come from? <laughs> Damn. Like, that was a perfect air horn for that when was I was going. That, that was great. That was great.